0: Welcome to Sustainability Unraveled, a podcast presented by TÜVSÜT. I'm Laura Oberhausen, your host, and joining me today, and of course for all other episodes, is my co-host Cornelius Deng. Let's unravel the complexity of the broad field of sustainability to get more clarity.
1: Hey Laura, it's a pleasure to be here. In today's episode, we are delving into the topic of greenhouse gas emissions and especially the Scope 3 emissions. I would like to start by briefly explaining what Scope 3 emissions actually are, and how they differ from scope 1 and scope 2 emissions to ensure that we are all on the same page. Scope 1 emissions are direct greenhouse gas emissions from sources owned or controlled by the reporting company. For example, emissions associated with fuel combustion in boilers, fuel consumption by company vehicles and fugitive emissions. Scope 2 emissions are indirect greenhouse gas emissions associated with the purchase of electricity, steam, heat or cooling. Also, Scope 2 emissions physically occur at the facility where they are generated. They are included in an organization's greenhouse gas inventory because they are a result of the organization's energy consumption.
0: Thank you for this introduction and first definitions, Cornelius. Now, Scope 3 emissions are the result of activities from assets not owned or controlled by the reporting organization, but which the organization indirectly affects in its value chain. So scope 3 emissions include all sources which are not within an organization's scope 1 or 2 boundary. The scope 3 emissions are basically the scope 1 and 2 emissions of another organization of the same value chain. They are therefore also referred to as value chain emissions and often represent the majority of an organization's total greenhouse gas emissions.
1: The Greenhouse Gas Protocol, a widely recognized accounting standard, categorizes Scope 3 emissions into 15 different categories. However, not every category is relevant for each organization. Understanding and addressing these emissions is key to achieve the comprehensive and ambitious sustainability goals.
0: According to the World Resource Institute, Scope 3 emissions are responsible for approximately 40% of the global greenhouse gas emissions of an organization, which just shows the importance of this topic. However, businesses face numerous challenges when it comes to Scope 3 emissions. Firstly, there is the complexity of the data collection and measurement. Companies often rely on their suppliers and partners to get the necessary data, which can be difficult to obtain and standardize. Accuracy of data and transparency is the major challenge here.
1: Indeed, Laura. Another challenge is the lack of control over scope 3 emissions. Unlike direct emissions, which can be more easily managed by a company, indirect emissions require collaboration and engagement with stakeholders throughout the value chain. Additionally, Scope 3 emissions can vary significantly across industries and sectors, making it challenging to establish consistent methodologies and benchmarks for measurement and reporting.
0: Despite these challenges, businesses recognize the importance of managing Scope 3 emissions. It allows them to understand their true environmental impact, identify hotspots for improvement, and collaborate with suppliers and partners to drive positive change.
1: Throughout this episode, we'll unravel the complexity of scope 3 emissions. We'll explore the methodologies for calculating and reporting these emissions, highlight successful management strategies, and discuss the potential benefit for businesses and the environment.
0: But now, let's welcome our guest, Kushbu Oswal, a sustainability expert with extensive knowledge in the scope 3 emissions topic. Kushbu will share her insights on the challenges businesses face, best practices for managing scope 3 emissions, and practical examples of companies leading the way in this area.
1: Whether you're a sustainability professional, a business leader, or simply interested in understanding the hidden impact of value chains, this episode is packed with valuable information and actionable ideas.
0: So, as I said, let's welcome our guest, Kushbu. Can you share a bit about your background and what your connection is to today's topic? So, hello guys, and let me first start the thanks
2: Laura and Cornelius for inviting me to this talk. Of course, it's a, it's a very important subject as well as seems quite complex in these days Well, I'm working on this topic for quite some time. But before we get into this details, let me introduce myself. I have 14 years of experience and I'm qualified as a mechanical and production engineer. I currently head climate action certification business line globally for Tipschutz industry service division. I've been working in sustainability field for quite some time now, trained under ISO 14065, IACC, LCA, and some other, of course, sustainability topic. On top of it, what actually makes me, or what's actually the connection with this subject is because of my previous experience. I come from a manufacturing background, and I have witnessed that how, you know, how large their supply chain or ecosystem is, and it's so difficult to gather the data, the GHG information, what challenges they face. And I have seen this whole complex supply chain, and that's why I relate quite a lot when it comes to scope 3 emission subject.
1: Thank you very much, Kushbu, for your introduction. We are very happy to have you here as our guest today. In our intro, we already clarified the definitions and gave an overview of scope 3 emissions and explained why they are important to be addressed by companies Kushbu, is there anything you would like to add or specifically highlight before we go deeper into this topic?
2: Oh, for sure. I would like to add something on top of what you guys have just mentioned, what was quite comprehensive, I would say. But uh, I want to go a little bit in the basic because generally we use, you know, we generally, when we talk, we use terms CO2 emission or carbon emission. But actually the proper definition is, of course, GHG emissions, basically greenhouse gases. And these greenhouse gases is a combination of seven gases. There are three major gases, which actually takes majority of the percentage share of the GHG emissions. One is carbon dioxide, second is methane, and then nitrous oxide. But there are also four more gases, which also has a global warming potential and high impact on environment which are basically actually industrial gases, which is hydrofluorocarbons, perfluorocarbons, sulfur, hexafluoride, and nitrogen trifluoride.
1: May I jump in here uh, quickly? Why exactly these seven gases?
2: Well, yes. that's In fact, it's something important to know that these seven gases has a global warming potential. So just to avoid confusion, when we use term carbon footprint or CO2 footprint, is basically that all these gases' global warming potential, or we call it GW, is actually measured in terms of CO2 equivalent. Hence, we use these terms quite often, carbon footprint, or, or you will see in the units that it's mentioned CO2e, meaning that this global warming potentials are actually converted in CO2 equivalent. Thank you, Kushbu. Do you have an example that simplifies this theory a little bit? Oh, of course, yes, there's one uh, very classic example. You might have heard a lot in the regulations are different company policies or even in last COP where methane abatement was a topic. There are many methane regulations are coming up for its abatement. So now I pick up an example like like methane has a 28 times more global warming potential compared to CO2. So to simplify it that if we take same amount of CO2 and if we take same amount of methane, then the global warming impact of methane is twenty eight times more than CO2. Hence CO2 abatement is of course a topic, but methane abatement is also an equally or most important topic because of its global warming potential. But I believe this information for all the gases, in fact, in IPCC reports, which is
0: publicly available. Perfect. Thank you, Kushbu. We will also provide further information, for example, the IPCC report that you just mentioned in the show notes. So feel free to take a look at them. And I think there was another open question from Cornelius about why scope three emissions are important for companies to be addressed. So could you elaborate on that? For sure and here i will have to go pit in
2: basics now outsourcing business model globally have proven to be more efficient and uh, as you had mentioned laura before that 40 to 50% emission come from scope 3 meaning that the processes which have been outsourced globally so emission from your own company has been shifted to the outside companies hence one of the categories of scope 3 is suppliers from where you procure. So the emissions of your own processes are been shifted to outside organization. Hence, scope three emissions nowadays consist of the higher amount compared to the complete company's global GHG emission here. Hence, if we see stakeholders are now creating certain pressures on companies, where companies have to take responsibility or own the responsibility of their entire value chain meaning including scope 3 emissions as well hence if we say a company has to go towards neutrality targets or net zero targets scope 3 emission disclosures are a must to gain the trust within the stakeholders in the market
1: listening to what you just said I believe that measuring and reporting these COV-3 missions is a, quite a challenge. Can you elaborate a little bit more on what is actually the challenge and how potential solutions could look like?
2: Yeah, in today's time, yes, I agree. It's a bit challenging because of the unstructured way of data recording, okay, because not all organizations are yet ready there. So let me take an example here. See, now what happens business to business, the scope three emissions, accounting varies. If I pick a transportation or logistics sector, for them, scope three ha- comes more from the transportation. If I take an RMG sector, scope three emissions come from the procurement. Now I can pick a good example on a project where I'm working in an automobile industry where we all know that there are tire one, tire two, tire three, level of suppliers now tier 1 there they are quite you know structured i would say because they are also big OEMs where they have proper systems in place data recording transparency accuracy is reliable so companies can extract that data and calculate the scope 3 emission for their tier 1 now if you go to tier 2 they may not be so structured but there is still an information or data in a way which you can get and calculate by yourself. Now, if you go further down, tie three and more, there you will not find that structured database, information acquisition. And here it becomes more challenging to, first of all, acquire the data, then calculate, then the next question comes is whether accuracy is there or not, the transparency of information there, there or not, what kind of a methodologies are getting, you know, used whether primary data, secondary data has been considered accurately or not. So these are all the different challenges at this point of time when it comes to scope 3 emission calculation as well as accounting.
1: Are there any emerging trends, technologies or innovations that could help businesses to overcome these challenges associated with managing scope 3 emissions? Here I'm thinking of standardization, digitization or maybe even some platforms to share these data along the whole supply chain.
2: Yeah indeed actually one of the things you picked very well digitalization and i personally also believe that digitalization and sustainability runs hand in hand now let's forget the topic that digitalization what kind of a footprint that field has but digitalization is one of the i would say best solution at this point of time where you can rather first is like you acquire the data then you major then you calculate So it makes your life much, much easier. A real-time monitoring, even the transparency and accuracy can be brought in this digital platform. Hence, I believe when it comes to capturing the whole ecosystem right from raw material until the end of disposal of the product, everything can be captured on the digital platform. Hence, you might have heard now there are so many different tools which are coming up in the market and they have a huge market. And we are not only talking of scope one, scope two. Scope three emissions are rather much of a focus with this GHG tool. So yes, there is something
0: which can help make our life much easier in scope three emission world. Perfect. Now, we talked a lot about the challenges. Let's talk about solutions. So maybe how can businesses effectively engage and collaborate with suppliers and partners to collect the data on scope three emissions? You said that's one of the challenges, but how can we solve this? That's a good question. And that's,
2: in fact, a question which repeatedly comes in. And I have seen quite a lot of drive from the companies who really want to work on their scope 3 mission. So before getting into that topic, let me get a little bit basic. When we speak of scope 3, there are almost 15 different categories in scope 3. So suppliers or procurement is just one category of it. There are different categories like commute of employees, the transportation, then the leasing of properties. So many different categories. In this case, again, so let me pick an example for you. If I pick a logistic company, so there the scope 3 emission will come from the transportation. If I pick an RMG sector, Okay, there the Scope three emission majorly will come from the supplier side. If I pick our own company, our major Scope three emission will come from employee commuting worldwide. So every business will have their own different category of Scope three, which will contribute more towards the GHG emission. So here important is that how you are engaging with your suppliers, how you are encouraging your suppliers to take initiatives to reduce. The carbon footprint of their own system or of their own process and here we can start with educating training providing the tool aid like i have worked with a few big companies in which they have created the programs for their suppliers to get them trained on how to account how to read the data how to calculate the ghe and then report to the company I've seen companies subscribing to the GHG tool where they have incorporated all their suppliers in that platform. So suppliers don't have much of a cost impact, but rather an initiation from their side, which helps ultimately a company with a small investment, but it is on a larger picture where they can then disclose accurate amount of scope 3. Hence, bringing your supplier or scope 3 categories which are linked into your sustainability journey is going to help companies a great deal.
1: Agree. Keeping in mind what you just said, how can businesses then set actually achievable but also ambitious targets for the scope 3 emissions? What factors should be considered when setting these targets? And can you actually share a success story or a case study of businesses that have been effectively managed and reduced their scope 3 emissions?
2: Sure. This is a big question. Let me <laughs> cut it into small, small pieces. But firstly, yes, when we talk of having a target towards carbon reduction, carbon neutrality, itself is a big, uh, itself is in fact an ambitious target. But yes, it's an achievable target, even including scope three. So now we already know that majority of the GHG emissions do come from uh, scope three for an organization. Here, important is that companies to set the progressive target. Of course, we cannot change the world in one night, right? So, setting up a progressive target will help to have a focused actions as well as outcome towards the achieving of your scope to reduction targets. Now, I'll give you a good example, and this comes from all the work I I currently do. There are different elements in setting up the progressive target. Let's focused first thing is that what comes as a mandate or what comes as a regulation. That's of course the first thing which any company has to attend to. Once that is done, then let's start focusing on the different 15 categories of the scope 3 emissions. So understanding that where these emissions are coming from, which of the scope 3's 15 categories has major GHG emission and then We can go in a phased manner or in a category-wise manner or some projects can be taken parallel. So I can give you an example for, uh, let's say, uh, fuel switching in upstream transportation and distribution or employees commuting in a company vehicle. Then a switching of fossil fuel-based vehicle to electric or to biofuel or to hydrogen vehicle, which is talked now mostly, this can be one of the first initiatives, for example. Second can be, you know, processing of the waste. So earlier, if your waste was going to landfill, instead, how about recycling it? How about reusing it within the existing process? Or if not, then how about processing it and making it as a feedstock for another process, right? Another good example can be, like I was mentioning earlier, that supporting your suppliers in the reduction projects, training them, investing into their production projects, as well as you can also shift your policy towards more sustainable procurement and then change in your policy of an organization for different scope the categories. Or here I can give you a good example that a company can decide that now on any new building will be leased or constructed will be a green building. So these kind of an initiatives can be taken in phased manner, yes, and a progressive manner where The company's framework can be developed around it, which can help, not easily, I would say, but it can help companies to achieve carbon reduction targets.
0: Thank you, Kushbu. I know this was a really uh, big question, but I think most of the things you said or all the things you said are really, really important and helpful. So looking at this from another like hands-on perspective, what advice would you give to businesses that are just starting their journey in addressing scope three emissions? What are the first steps they should take.
2: Okay, this is something of my like question and bit of a technical here, but I hope I'll be able to simplify when I'm I'm mentioning all the technicalities here. Like I mentioned before, if I pick just a few examples because the scope three emission category-wise may differ. The share of certain scope three emissions in particular category can be more, can be less for different business, different industries. Hence, understanding, or we call it as-is analysis. So when we conduct an as-is analysis, which means that we are trying to see within those 15 categories, what is current GHG emission? So accumulating the data, calculating everything, and then you know, okay, these are top fives which are having high GHG emissions. Then you prioritize within that which can be your primary focus. So prioritizing which... uh, elements or which categories, elements of the categories can be taken to reduce the GHG emission. Then there is is a term called materiality assessment. So when you conduct a materiality, you understand what are the key material issues within the different GHG emission. And then you focus or you prioritize those material issues towards your reduction initiatives. So this is generally the steps where you identify, you prioritize, and then you focus on those priorities in the phase manner, which I mentioned earlier. But all this is only possible when your top management has a commitment. And those commitment has to be very, very clear when it, in the terms of duration, in the terms of amount, in the terms even of the budget planning for reduction. So this can be, I would say, step approach towards uh, focusing on GHG reduction for scope 3.
1: Thank you very much, Kushbu. I think that helps a lot, especially for the young companies or that are just getting started in, in calculating and measuring these scope 3 emissions. Besides that, are there any specific regulations or frameworks that businesses should or have to be aware of when it comes to scope 3 emissions? And... How can businesses ensure compliance to these regulations?
2: Yes, there are quite a few frameworks and some regulations are also coming up in the market. I'm going to give you some examples now. Uh, First of all, I'm not sure how many of you might have heard or you guys have heard of GHG Protocol. But GHG Protocol has technical guidance towards calculating the scope three category wise, which is a very great document a company could refer to. Then also there are many uh, corporate reporting standards which we called ESG framework like CDP, GRI also has scope 3 reporting guidelines in it. Even SBTI, like SBTI in fact sets a criteria that if companies scope 3 emission are more than 40% or 40%, then their total emission, including scope 1, 2, 3, then companies has to disclose or set the target for scope three as well. So these are a few ESG frameworks. And another one, which I believe is going to be a revolutionary regulation, is CBAM, carbon border adjustment mechanism, which is there now and the reportings have already started. So this is also actually on focusing on the scope three emissions. So, and even there are, you know, there are many carbon taxations which are coming up. So, when importing or sorry, rather exporting to the countries with these regulation, means that the exporting companies has to initiate definitely some kind of a GHG emission reduction initiative. So, it's these kind of a regulation helps not only for the country itself but also for the importers. So, another evolutionary regulation which I see which is coming up is. CBAM, Carbon Border Adjustment Mechanism, which is actually also focusing on all the importers' GHG reduction for European Union, which means the countries outside who are exporting to EU has to deal with or has to rather, in fact, create a reduction projects to reduce their GHG emissions for the products they are exporting to EU. So these kind of regulations are going to bring a lot of change in the thought process and the mentality of the product producer outside. Even there are many carbon taxations which are coming up, like one is in Singapore, and there are many also getting designed globally. So these are all the compliances framework which ensure that companies follow, include GHG reductions or scope three particularly
0: in their calculation. Thanks, Kushbu. Besides these uh, regulatory frameworks that are going to influence the whole topic, looking ahead, how do you envision the future of Scope three emissions management? So, what trends or maybe also developments do you expect to see in the upcoming years? So, yeah,
2: it's it's uh, Scope three accounting is frankly it's going to be inevitable as we go ahead. Companies has to account their scope three, and I have seen so many different sustainability reports where pe- companies have started to disclose their scope three emissions voluntarily. Now, with upcoming regulations, with carbon taxation, what I was mentioning earlier, this is now becoming a serious topic, where not only that you have to disclose, but you have to also ensure that you are reducing your carbon footprint of your scope three. So I say that uh, regulations are going to play much more role in uh, scope 3 emission reductions. So yeah, here's to
0: a greener and cleaner future for our next generation. That was a really nice sentence at the end. Thank you, Kushbu, for being our guest today. And at the end of each of our episodes, we go through the key takeaways. Let's start with the first aspect, understanding scope 3 emissions. So They are greenhouse gas emissions resulting from activities outside a company's direct control, but within its value chain. They often represent the majority of an organization's total greenhouse gas emissions, accounting for approximately 40% of global emissions for a company.
1: Then let me add my first takeaway. It's about the complexity and the challenges of scope 3 emissions. Measuring and reporting scope 3 emissions can be a complex task due to the diversity of sources different reporting formats and the reliance on data from suppliers and partners. Accuracy, transparency and data standardization are significant challenges in this regard.
0: We also heard a lot about the general importance of scope 3 emissions. With the increasing pressure from stakeholders and the need to address the entire value chain, businesses are recognizing the importance of managing scope 3 emissions more and more. It is crucial for understanding the true environmental impact and achieving carbon neutrality goals.
1: And the last point from my side is the engagement with suppliers and partners. Effective engagement with suppliers and partners is essential for collecting data of scope 3 missions. This can be achieved through training, aligning goals and providing tools for data collection. Digitalization is seen as a convenient and effective way to streamline data collection.
0: And lastly, Setting ambitious and achievable scope 3 emissions reduction targets is crucial. Companies should focus on, of course, regulatory obligations, but then also prioritize initiatives and consider factors such as fuel switching, waste reduction, sustainable sourcing and green investments. Success relies on improved corporate policies, frameworks and governance structures.
1: Thank you very much, Laura. Kushbu. is there anything you would like to add or conclude?
2: Well, you both have concluded it quite well. The summary is exactly what we have talked about. From my side, I would uh, like to add that, yes, seems a really complex topic at this point of time. I believe down the line few years, it will not be as complex. But to make it more simplified, important will be that how well we are training our suppliers or the the, the value chain of the scope three within the all categories how we are handholding them, and how we are making them partner with us. This can be a great success for a company to ensure their scope three emission reduction. And yeah, lastly, thank you very much for inviting me for this talk. And it was, in fact, a quite interesting discussion, tough questions, but I hope I have able to answer it well.
0: So that's it. Thank you. Thank you so much uh, also to you, Kushbu, and thanks for everyone tuning in to this episode of Sustainability Unraveled. We see our podcast as a treasure trove of thought-provoking conversations and ideas from sustainability experts in various fields. And by subscribing, you'll stay informed about our upcoming episodes and continue your journey towards a more sustainable and responsible business.
1: We very much appreciate your support and encourage you to share your thoughts, feedback and suggestions with us. Join us next time as we uncover another interesting dimension of sustainability.
0: Remember, every small step counts in making a difference. Until next time, stay inspired and stay informed. And thank you for being part of the Sustainability Unraveled community. Talk to you soon.